This is Robert Merlachi of the Mindshare Learning Report, Canada's Learning and Technology e-magazine. Happy St. Patty's Day and welcome to this week in Canadian EdTech Mindshare TV live podcast. I'm honored to have join me for a Mindshare Learning Moment, Dr. Benjamin Freud, who is the co-founder of Coconut Thinking on the UNESCO published commentary on the future of education report as part of their ideas lab. Uh, UNESCO yeah, recently published this document, and uh, we're looking forward to having a conversation with Dr. Freud. Uh, thank you for joining me today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. All the way from uh, Thailand, I understand. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm usually in Chiang Mai, but uh, today I'm in Phuket, so my life is uh, pretty good. <laughs> Amazing. A uh, little bit about uh, Dr. Freud. He is the co-founder of Coconut Thinking, as I mentioned, which creates learning experience is that emerge from one ethical question. How do our actions contribute to thriving of the bio-collective? Uh, Ben's passion is creating learning and action experiences where all learners have a, a common purpose, positive impact on welfare of the bio-collective and anything living sentiment or plant that has an interest in the helpfulness of the planet. He'll be speaking at the upcoming World Education Summit of which we're a media partner, March 21st to the 21st. And uh, talk to me about what inspired uh, your thinking around the recent uh, blog response to the Future of Education report uh, from UNESCO. There's been a lot of reporting lately around uh, the future, uh, given the pandemic, that was quite an accelerator for education and innovation. Yeah, and the, the future of education report really it's it's uh, it's, it's something that comes out every twenty five years, so it's quite a seminal report. Uh, it's a big deal, and they talk to over a million people across the world, uh, parents and kids and business leaders and educators, and and a lot of people to come together to to come up with this report based on UNESCO. And this is in the tradition of Jacques Delors, uh, who had one of the first reports, um, and you know he has the architect of Europe. There's just a lot of weight here. So on the Coconut Thinking uh, blog, we've had quite a quite a big journey actually because we started off being more student-centered learning, personalized learning, and all that, which is which is wonderful. But um, my my wife is uh, doing a PhD in um, in in uh, thinking about ways of of bringing animals and nature closer to to kids' learning experiences, and she's been a real Amazing. big influence. And uh, mostly lately, the blog and the podcast have been about uh, moving away from anthropocentric ways of looking at the world, that is, human-centered ways of looking at the world, and realizing our connections to nature, the fact that we are nature. And so as someone who's very curious, I, I, uh, I've been you know, getting into uh, ancient wisdoms, um, you know, Buddhism, Taoism, and also quantum mechanics. And, and I have to say, I don't understand any of it. But it's really cool and it's interesting. So there's enough there to keep me going. And so uh, Noah Sob, who's one of the uh, authors of the report, he was on our podcast and we just have a, a closer and closer relationship. And he invited me to make a commentary based on a few blogs that I'd written previously. And so mm -hmm. what inspired me about the report is this idea of the, the futures, um, the shared understanding of futures. And so many times in, you know, uh, in the press and the media, everywhere, we talk about the future of education. But I'm really thinking about this, this uh, commentary in terms of the futures because there's not one future. Everything, everything is localized, localized to who we are as individuals, but also as right. communities. 
And so it's this idea that we actually all have a different story to tell. We have stories mm -hmm. to tell based on our context. And that goes back again to this idea of, um, I mean, it's a living systems framework that we are holes in ourselves. We have to think about where we're going. My story is my own. My community story is its own. And our species story is its own. And, and life story is its own. But as we work towards these nested holes, we have to think about the different futures that we all have. So that's where it came from. It's this idea that really there's been a lot of fanfare around the release of the report. But unfortunately, I think COVID has has attenuated that and 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 moved mm -hmm. it. Um, but we're looking at at going back to this idea that there's not one future of education. There's an infinite futures of education because we're all in ourselves different, and and we need to do what's best for us, and then maybe that'll ripple out. Fascinating. It is about context, and and uh, what what intrigued me uh, when we were talking off air in preparation for a conversation is a notion of curriculum of kindness that you talked mm -hmm. about. Perhaps you can share yeah. a little bit about that. Sure. I'm, I'm very lucky. I'm uh, presenting with uh, Joanne McKeekin um, uh, on, a, on a couple of uh, things. With, like she had a, um, she, she works a lot on, on contributive learning and, and I proposed the curriculum of kindness. So since we knew each other and those were very similar, we're working together. And also I'm doing another talk on portfolios of contribution or portfolios of kindness, whatever that, that title might be. And mm -hmm. they're both related. And it's, it's the idea that really we have an educated values, you know, hi, um, hierarchy, sorting kids, it values uh, putting uh, emphasis on reading and, and writing and, and math, which is amazing, great, not really. It hasn't really worked. Mm. We've got a lot of problems. Insert, you know, whatever conversation you want here. But, but the idea is on a simple premise that learning actually doesn't mean anything unless there's action that's associated to it. And if you, you can know everything in your mind, if you don't do anything, then, then there's no point. Uh, my dissertation, for instance, was fantastic. I had a great time writing it, but nobody's really read it. Nobody's read it. So, so it hasn't had much impact in the world other than mm. giving me joy. So it's this idea that it's not just about action. It's about the relationships. So we can act on the world, but unless we understand the relationships with ourselves and with other people, um, the learning and the action will, will be really hollow shells. So can we work on changing the values of what we look at in education to make it so that it's about kindness? It's about doing things for others. And that's what we're going to be assessed on. That's what's important. Our, our, our actions towards other make the world a better place. And it elevates the conversation because then it's no longer atomi atom atomistic it's, and, and individualistic. It's about togetherness. You and I are working on a project together to make the world a better place. And it's thinking about that social learning rather than individual learning for good. Fascinating. Oh, lo love your thinking. And it, uh, it's really challenging uh, my thinking and and, and uh, the, there's a lot to unpack there. Uh, the social learning is incredibly powerful. Uh, you know, we experience co-working and co-learning on a regular basis here. We've infused, uh, you know, uh, co-op students, interns uh, from both K to 12 and post-secondary higher ed, if you will. And uh, it's that relationship it's uh, learning is an emotional process and when the the more you appeal to their senses and two days ago i interviewed uh, claudio muka uh, an architect from Sibra in denmark 
who did a project here in Toronto and he just released the Wise Journal, an ebook on on learning and work in the future. And it, it it's a interactive book, and I highly recommend it because it captures case studies from all over the world. And and the environment is integrally important part of the success equation. In fact, 18% is of, of the success of student success is attributable to the environment alone a professor did research on. And 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 those relationships that you talk about and the empathy uh, uh, is interesting uh, uh, or uh, in kindness, it's, it's, it's all uh, inter intertwined. Uh, the, we talked earlier, Finland teaches empathy throughout their entire education system. And it's no surprise that they're one of the top systems in the world. So where have we gone wrong? You know, this industrial model in North America and other parts of the world is still uh, existing. And Dr. Steve Jordan's talked about the potential for the great snapback after all this innovation that occurred during the pandemic. Yeah, and uh, I think where we've gone wrong, and this is something that... Um, that uh, Oka Joshi Hansen writes about, uh, and, and as do others, is, is going back to the scientific revolution about our separation from nature. Descartes, uh, Bacon, I mean, Bacon said, you know, let's torture the secrets of nature out of her, right? And, and the separation that we're away from nature, and that is a Western concept. Um, and the fact that we've got the same education model throughout the world is, is a form of, I mean, it is coming from colonialism, and we're still to this day, living this colonial mentality, but our separation from nature is the problem. Compartmentalizing, fragmenting, everything that makes it so that it's not just a relationship between you, it's relationship with nature, relationship with animals, relationship with what we eat. All these things are fragmented. And so no wonder we're not, we, we live in a world where, where there's um, where, there, where there's such, such difficulty still to this day, even though we can do better because we have lost that relationship. Now, I'm not going to pretend that there weren't difficulties before, granted, but right. this is the first time in the history of the world, the first time that we could, if we wanted to, feed every single person in the world. And yet people are starving in Yemen, starving in Madagascar, starving in Sudan. There is starvation. And yet we could feed everyone in the world if we wanted to. Mm -hmm. That's the first but, time it never happened before. But you, you alluded earlier, it's about action, right? Yeah, it's about action. Absolutely. And realizing our interconnectedness as a human species, but also, again, as part of the natural world. So so um, your, your question of the snapback, it will snap back. There's no question in my mind. Um, and the reason is because without realizing these connections that we have with 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 the bigger world, that, that this this living systems thinking, it will continue to be um, a meritocratic system that values quantitative scores, pieces of paper on the wall, competition, scarcity. It can't help but come back because education is so conservative. And they've been trying to change it since John Dewey. That's, that's what, over 100 years. And it's still where it is. So I don't think anything's going to go back. Uh, sorry, I, I don't think anything's going to change fundamentally unless you reinvent it. And when I speak of the curriculum of kindness, I'm actually thinking that down the road, I'm going to ditch the word curriculum. I hate that word because it carries so much baggage. Same right. thing with school. Maybe ditch the word school. It carries too much baggage. As long as you say we have an innovative school, people are still thinking school. Let's call it something else. Let's call yeah. it, I know Stephanie Marshall wants to call it, um, she calls it a, a labs of imagination. 
um, why don't we call it places of becoming something other than school so we can write a new narrative with new words because if you write a new narrative with old words it's just going to be an old narrative and and the snapback will happen because we still value the same things well and, and learning happens everywhere the pandemic uh, demonstrated that that untapped potential and uh the community is the school learning happens mm -hmm. here everywhere right. we go i mean it's um, you know, adopting a mindset, that growth mindset that really, uh, you know, should be taught, you know, uh, learning to learn. Um, I learned about um, a platform that does a Myers-Briggs inventory of kids at an early age. Mm -hmm. And then it uh, allots them an animal that they can, that they closely uh, can follow to help them chart their path so it's a relatable experience you know when i talked to mark prensky uh who coined the phrase digital native digital immigrant just released a new book and he's all about experiences mm -hmm. you know we need to engage kids in real life experiences and build on that that's right um so so you know where do we go from here what what uh what will you be sharing further? Uh, so you connected with Dwayne Matthews, another uh, podcaster and provocateur who is based in Canada. And um, yeah. talk to me about the conversation you had around the metaverse. We studied, uh, when I was doing my Pepperdine master's uh, degree in EdTech, we experienced Second Life 15 years mm -hmm. ago. And that was, the, I, I guess, the beginnings of the metaverse that really it it it, uh, it was ahead of its time, let's say. Sure, sure. No, it, you know, and, and Dwayne and I talked about the metaverse, and uh, and, and I want to say somebody else on the podcast that we had said something very simple, and and it's and I and I saw it with my kids. I was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I never yeah. noticed that or thought about it. But then Vodichki said, this is the first time that kids have realized the dream, which is to turn the volume down completely on their teachers, and we always wanted probably to do that in class, but now they can. So now that they can access anything in the world that they want, they can learn anything in the world and even speak to anyone in the world. Right now, as long as you have an email address, you can, you can come in on, on 2D. With the metaverse, you'll come in on 3D, probably have a bodysuit where you can right. have physical stimuli. So now we have a world that's completely open. We can talk to anyone and do anything and learn anything at any moment, anywhere. And that is fundamentally different than anything has ever happened in human history where we've always relied on other people to get us there. Even if you're calling on the telephone, you, unless it's a mobile phone, you have to want somebody to be in a certain location, but now you can contact anyone anywhere. At the same time, the environmental issues make it so that we have to keep everything local because we just can't handle the traffic that's going around. So we've got this double tension between the fact that we our world to, you know, virtually is, is, is infinitely connected but we have to physically stay local. So that's gonna be something that, that I think is gonna play out. And, and I think that, that's, that that tension is going to save us or break us. I, I'm thinking save us, frankly. Um, and so, you know, what does that look like? Um, those are the fundamental issues that we have because the tech is only a tool. The big thing that we have to look at is how do we change a system um, to, to make sure the planet doesn't, doesn't burn up? 
And tech will have to be a tool to get us there, not just the solution itself. What I find fascinating about young people today is that when we were graduating, and I'm a baby boomer, I know I don't look like one, uh, <laughs> tongue in cheek, I, um, we were looking for a job. It was a job. You would just hope to get it because there were so many baby boomers competing for jobs with mm -hmm. that big bulge of population. But the young people I meet today, and, and I've never been more optimistic about the future because they want to make an impact. That's right. And I, I think that's from the all the efforts that teachers are making, that parents are making, and helping them appreciate uh, our, our world and what's important. The UN Sustainable Development Goals, we're embracing those in our schools of the future challenge. The challenge kids to solve a real world problem within their community. You know, I, I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to push the envelope here. Um, yeah. Just to kind of throw things out there as a possibility that really it, it's not the, the, the I, I kind of, you know, sustainable development goals bring us to to fantastic places and, and move our thinking. I worry that this problem solution mentality is just going to exacerbate the problems and, and doesn't actually solve much. And we have to think about redesigning a system. Rather than going through a linear thing of, oh, we have a problem, let's solve it. Let's look at the system as a living system. How can we heal the system? And the SDGs are great. You know, they get us talking, they get people thinking, they get action going. It's, it's wonderful. But it's, it's going to be, you know, a milestone on, on a journey. Because really, we need to think about them not as goals. And we certainly don't need to think about them in terms of development. And it's more of a mindset. That sustainability mm -hmm. regeneration is a mindset. It's a process and it never stops. And this idea of goals means that we're going to reach somewhere at a certain point and then we're good. But it's not that. Right. right. And even the way they're, they're organized, they're, they're, there's like 16 of them plus a 17th one thrown at the end. Only three of them deal with nature. Only three of them. And, it, and, it, and if we're not careful... It, it, it perpetuates a fragmented view of the world. We have quality education, uh, zero hunger, uh, economic development, whatever it is. And, and those things are all linked together. And, and it's really important, anyone dealing with the SDGs, to realize that they're all connected. And, and to realize also, and this is one that, that really um, uh, I want to emphasize, that the one, number four, quality education, the word nature doesn't come up once under quality education. Mm. Not once. That's so, interesting. So the, the, it's wonderful, great that it's having people talk, but we need to go towards more of a process and a mindset rather than a goal. Fascinating. And, and so we had the industrial revolution of education. So what's the next revolution of education? I think we're on the, I feel like we're on the cusp of it. We're in it. The pandemic is pushing the envelope. So sure. what's next? Well, educare, the word for education means to bring out, right? And, and the industrial model has been more to fill, to fill. So it's, it's been completely reversed. Um, I, I'm just wondering, yeah, if, if the idea is just to, um, I mean, you know, as someone who studied revolutions in, in school, um, things always come from the fringe. Revolutions don't happen at the core. Otherwise, they're not revolution. They're just changes. And those changes never really, um, never really happen, uh, you know, in, in ways that are revolutionary. So on the fringe, I think um, it, it, it might come down to the fact that 
certain pocket, certain people, first of all, then certain schools and certain communities, kind of like a fractal, start to really um, write their own rules. And I'm not going to use the word innovate because I worry that innovation is still making something better. I'm wondering if it's a question of now reinventing everything, redesigning a system that has different values and just saying, you know what, we're going to do this. And then as these pockets show up, and this might be 10, 20, 50, 100 years if we have time, but as these right. pockets show up, they network together. And then little by little, much like a little ball of mercury, they just become bigger and bigger and bigger. And then eventually it gets a critical mass. Nothing's going to change within the system. There's too many corporations who, who, who benefit from this, from, from the capitalist system that, that is, that, you know, creates these schools. There's, there's too many uh, people who, who don't, um, who, who have the, who went through education through their values. It's too big. It, it can't change. But from the fringes, these pockets of, of schools that say, you know what, we're not going to do it that way anymore. We're going to value kindness contribution. I mean, these are words that I'm using, but put in your other words here, but the same spirit, same semantics, right. kindness, uh, social learning. We're going to value that. You do your thing. We'll do our thing. And that school over there is doing something a little bit different, but we're in the same tribe and we're going to work together. And then we're going to work, as you said, opening it up to the community. That's massively important because what, what, you know, you were saying about the baby boomers, well, they went to school for what K to twelve, and then an extra four years. But now people got to go to school until they retire. Right. That notion of to, lifelong learning, right? Yeah, but they have to completely reinvent themselves because they might be replaced by a computer. So they always have to reskill, and they say that people are going to change careers three, four times in a, in, in a few decades. So we're always going to go back to school. So then school can go from five to 75, 85, 95. and so they become places of becoming. No more schools, but places where we grow, we learn together with the community, bringing in artists, bringing in painters, bringing in plumbers, bringing in technicians, bringing in architects, and we're all together in a community of learning. And that is completely different. So it's no longer the word school that we use. And then little by little, much like your, you know, your product, um, you know, the, like the innovation um, hockey stick, eventually people will. Right. Um, uh, come on to that and then much like every product maybe eventually it'll decline in a few centuries who knows i bet you know but but it's just going to take that just pockets coming together early adopters uh, because we're not going to be able to change it from the inside one final question dr freud what gives you hope for the future um what gives me hope is is is, is conversations like this um it gives me a lot of hope the fact that again technology has allowed me to just be able to talk to so many people across the world who feel the same way. And before I, you know, we were physically contained um, within our local communities, I guess, and, and, and the people that are there, but now there's a potential of, you know, millions of people that I could talk to about these things. And then we're able to connect and talk together. And it reminds me a little bit, um, you know, when you, when you join an organization or school at the beginning, it's okay just to come and say, Hey, Robert, how's it going? I'm Benjamin. And it's socially okay. Um, I feel like that's how it is right now across the world. What's okay to say, Hey, I'd love to have a chat. Let's talk. And then connections are made and, and, and people are going to come together like this, like-minded people. And those networks that I was talking about are going to happen much more easily because now we're used to it and we're okay with it. And people realize that need for change. With that, thank you so much. Uh, such an honor to speak with you today, Dr. Freud. Thank you so much. Thanks, Robert. That was Dr. Benjamin Freud, the co-founder of Coconut Thinking, who will be speaking at the upcoming 
education, uh, World Education Summit, uh, March 21st to 24th online. My name is Robert Merdlanchi of the Mindshare Learning Report. Be sure to check out W Mindshare Learning to get your latest issue. And until next time, stay healthy, stay safe, and keep the learning curve steep.